uh, give Mr. Croft some port. No. Uh, you ought to like this port, Gerald. It's exactly the same as your father gets. Well, it'll be all right. An inspector calls by J.B. Priestley. Governor prides himself on being a good judge of port. I don't pretend to know much about it. With Toby Jones as Inspector Gould. I should jolly well think not, Gerald. I'd hate you to know all about port, like one of those purple-faced old men. (laughs) Now then, Sybil, you must take a little tonight, eh? Special occasion. Yes, go on, Mummy, you must drink our health. (laughs) Very well, then, just a little. Thank you. Allow me, Mrs. Burley. Thank you. All right, Edna, I'll ring from the drawing room when we want coffee, probably in about half an hour. Yes, Mum. Oh, well, well... This is very nice, isn't it? Very nice. Good dinner too, Sybil. Lovely. Don't you agree, Gerald? Absolutely Arthur, you're first not supposed class. to say oh, things don't. like oh, that. Come, come, Sybil. <laughs> Treating Gerald like one of the family, I'm sure he won't object. Go on, Gerald. Just you object. Wouldn't dream oh. of it. In fact, I insist upon being one of the family now. I've been trying long enough, haven't I? You know I am. Of course she does. Yes, except for all last summer when you never came near me and I wondered what had happened to you. And I've told you I was awfully busy at the works all that time. Yes, that's what you say. Now, Sheila, don't tease him. When you're married, you'll realise that men with important work sometimes have to spend nearly all their time and energy on their business. You'll have to get used to that, just as I have. I don't believe I will, so you be careful, Gerald. Oh, I will, I will. (laughs) Now, Eric, what's the joke? I don't know, really. Suddenly, I felt I just had to laugh. You're squiffy. I'm not. Now, stop it, you two. Arthur, what about this famous toast of yours? (laughs) Yes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Gerald, it's a pity Sir George and uh, Lady Croft can't be with us, but they're abroad, so it can't be helped. (laughs) I'm going to tell you frankly that your engagement to Sheila means a tremendous lot to me. <laughs> Just the kind of son-in-law I've always wanted. <laughs> uh, your, your father and I have been friendly rivals in business for some time now, uh, though Crofts Limited are both older and bigger than Burling and Company. <laughs> oh, and, uh, well, uh, well, now you've brought <laughs> us together. Yeah. And perhaps we may look forward to the time when Crofts and Burlings are no longer competing, <laughs> but are working together. For lower costs and higher prices. Here, here. Arthur, I don't think you ought to talk business on an occasion like this. Neither do I. All wrong. Quite so, quite so. What I did want to say was that that Sheila's a lucky girl. And I think you're a pretty fortunate young man too, Gerald. I know I am. This once, anyhow. So, here's wishing the pair of you the very best that life can bring. Gerald and Sheila. Yes, Gerald, yes, Sheila, darling, our congratulations. Thank you. <sighs> Eric? Uh, all the best. She's got a nasty temper on her sometimes, Stop. but she's not really that bad. <laughs> Good old Sheila. Chump. I can't drink to this, can I? When do I drink? You can drink to me. All right, then. I drink to you, Gerald. Thank you. <laughs> and I drink to you... And hope I can make you as happy as you deserve to be. You be careful, or I'll start weeping. <laughs> well, perhaps this will help. <gasps> oh, Gerald! Oh, you've got it! Is it the one you wanted me to have? Yes, the very one. 
Oh, look, Mummy, isn't it a beauty? Oh, darling. <laughs> Steady the buffs. Now I really feel engaged. So you ought to, darling. It's oh. a lovely ring. Be careful with it. Careful? I shall never let it out of my sight. Now, oh. Arthur, I think Sheila and I had better uh, go into the drawing room. Leave no, you men to your cigars. I, 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 I just want to say this. Now, are you listening, Sheila? <laughs> this concerns you too. And after all, I, I don't often make speeches, I'm as you know. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Daddy, I was listening. <laughs> I'm, I'm delighted about this engagement. And I hope it won't be too long before you're married. <laughs> uh, you'll be marrying at a very good time. Oh, yes, a very good time. At last, we're coming together to see that our interests, the, the interests of capital, are properly protected. We are in for a time of steadily increasing prosperity. I believe you're right, sir. Now, you young people, just listen to this. <laughs> And remember what I'm telling you now. In 20 or 30 years, you may be giving a little party like this. Uh, well, your son or daughter might be getting engaged. <laughs> and I'll tell you, by that time, you'll be living in a world where they'll have forgotten all about these capital versus labour agitations. There's going to be peace and prosperity and rapid progress everywhere. Arthur. Yes, 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 I know, my dear, I know. I'm talking too much. <laughs> but you youngsters, just remember what I said. We hard-headed practical businessmen must say something sometime. And we don't guess. We've had experience. And we know. Yes, of course. <laughs> Come along, Sheila. <laughs> don't keep Gerald in here too long. Eric, I want you a minute. Very well, Mother. <laughs> Cigar? Ah, uh, no, thanks. Can't really enjoy them. I'll I'll stick to cigarettes. Well, you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> Help yourself to port. Mm. Thank you. Oh, dear. by the way, now there's something I'd like to mention in strict confidence mm -hmm. while we're by ourselves. I have an idea that your mother, while she doesn't object to my girl, feels you might have done better for yourself socially. Oh, I don't think she... No, no, she... Gerald, Gerald, that's all right. Don't blame her. Lady Croft comes from an old county family, landed people and so forth and so. Well, it's, it's only natural. But what I wanted to say is... There is a fair chance that I might find my way into the next honours list. Uh, just a knighthood, of course. Oh, I say, well, congratulations. <laughs> well, I've had a hint or two, you see. I was Lord Mayor here two years ago when royalty visited us, and I've always been regarded as a sound party man, so I gather that there's a very good chance so long as we behave ourselves, don't get into the police court or start a scandal. <laughs> <laughs> well, you seem to be a nice, well-behaved family. Well, I think we are. <laughs> so if that's the only obstacle, sir, I think you might as well accept my congratulations oh, now. No, 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 I couldn't do that. And, uh, and don't say anything yet. Not even to my mother. I know she'd be delighted. Well, when she comes back, well, you might drop a hint. <laughs> And you can promise her that we'll try to keep out of trouble during the next few months. <laughs> <laughs> What's the joke? I started telling stories. Oh, no, no, no. Want another glass of port, Eric? Oh, yes, please. <laughs> Mother says we mustn't stay too long, but I don't think it matters. I left him talking about clothes again. I think a girl never had any clothes before she gets married. <laughs> Women are potty about them. Oh, yes, yes, but you've got to remember, my boy, that clothes mean something quite different to a woman. 
Not just something to wear, not only something to make them look prettier, oh. but as a sort of sign or token of their self-respect. That's true. Yes, I remember. Well, what do you remember? Uh, nothing. Nothing? Hmm. <laughs> Sounds a bit fishy to me. Uh, you don't know what some of these boys get up to nowadays. <laughs> More money to spend and time to spare than I had when I was Eric's age. Thank you, <laughs> they worked as hard in those days, kept us short of cash. Though even then... Uh, we had a bit of fun sometimes. Oh, I bet you did. <laughs> oh, I don't want to lecture you two young fellas again. Oh. But what so many of you don't seem to understand now when things are so much easier is that a man has to make his own way. Has to look after himself. And his family too, of course, when he has one. And so long as he does that, he won't come to much harm. Very true. But the way that some of these cranks talk and write now, and you'd, you'd think everybody has to look after everybody else, mm. as if we were all mixed up together like bees in a hive. <laughs> Community and all that nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you take my word for it, you youngsters, and I've learned in the good hard school of experience, a man has to mind his own business and look after himself and his own. Mm. And... Somebody at the front door. Well, Edna will answer it and have another glass of port, Gerald, and then we'll join the ladies. That'll stop me giving you good advice. Yes, you've piled <laughs> on a bit tonight, Father. Well, that's a special occasion. I wanted you to have the benefit of my experience. Please, sir, an inspector's called. An inspector? But what kind of inspector? <laughs> a police inspector. He says his name's Inspector Ghoul. Ghoul? I don't know him. He says it's important, sir. Well, all right, Edna, well, show him in here. Well, I'm still on the bench. Maybe something about a warrant. Sure to be. Unless Eric's been up to something. <laughs> now, that would be awkward, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be very... <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Only something we were talking about when you were out. A joke, really. Well, I don't think it's very funny. What's the matter with you, Eric? Nothing. Inspector Gould. Mr. Burling. Uh, yes. Well, sit down, Inspector. Thank you, sir. Uh, you're new, aren't you? Yes, sir. Only recently transferred. I thought you must be. Uh, I was an alderman and Lord Mayor two years ago, and I'm still on the bench, so I know the Brumley police officers pretty well, and I thought I'd never seen you before. Quite so. Well, what can I do for you? Uh, some trouble about a warrant? No, Mr. Burling. Oh, well, what is it, then? I'd like some information, if you don't mind. Two hours ago, a young woman died in the infirmary. She'd been taken there this afternoon because she'd swallowed a lot of strong disinfectant. Oh. Oh. Burnt her insides out, of course. My God! Yes, she was in great agony. They did everything they could for her at the infirmary, but she died. Suicide, of course. Yes, yes, it's a horrible business. But I don't understand why I should come here, Inspector. I've been round to the room she had, and she'd left a letter there and a sort of a diary. Like a lot of these young women who get into various kinds of trouble, she'd used more than one name. But her original name, her real name, was Eva Smith. Uh, Eva Smith? Do you remember her, Mr Burling? Um, well, I seem to remember hearing that name, Eva Smith, somewhere. It doesn't convey anything to me. 
She was employed in your works at one time. Oh, that's it, is it? Oh, well, well, we've several hundred young women there, you know, and well, they keep changing. This young woman, Eva Smith, was a bit out of the ordinary. I found this photograph of her in her lodgings. Perhaps, Mr Burling, you'd remember her from that? Uh, may I see the photograph? Not just at the moment, sir. Any particular reason why I shouldn't see it? There might be. And the same applies to me, I suppose. Yes. I can't imagine what it could be. Well, neither can I. It's the way I like to go to work. One person and one line of inquiry at a time. Otherwise, there's a muddle. I think you remember Eva Smith now, don't you, Mr Burling? Yes, I do. She was one of my employees and then I discharged her. Well, is that why she committed suicide? Now, just keep quiet, Eric, and don't get excited. This girl left us nearly two years ago. Let me see, well, it, uh, well, it must have been in early autumn. Yes, end of September, yeah, year that, before last. That, 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 that's right. Uh, look here, sir, uh, wouldn't you rather I was out of this? Oh, I don't mind your being here, Gerald. And I'm sure you have no objection, have you, Inspector? Uh, perhaps I ought to explain first that this is Mr Gerald Croft, the son of Sir George Croft, you know, Crofts Limited. Mr Gerald Croft, eh? Yeah, we've been celebrating his engagement to my daughter, Sheila. <laughs> Mr Croft is going to marry Miss Sheila Burling. I hope so. And I prefer you stay. Oh, all right. Look, there, there's nothing mysterious about this business. It's a perfectly straightforward case. And as it happened nearly two years ago, well, obviously it's nothing whatever to do with the wretched girl's suicide, eh, Inspector? No, sir. I can't agree with you there. Why not? Because what happened to her then may have determined what happened to her afterwards. And what happened to her afterwards may have driven her to suicide. A chain of events. Still, I can't accept any responsibility. If we were all responsible for everything that happened to everybody we had anything to do with, well, it would be very awkward then, wouldn't it? <laughs> very awkward. As you were saying, Dad, a man has to look after himself. Yes, well, all right, Derek. We needn't go into all that. Going to what? Oh, just before you came, I've been giving these young men a little good advice. Now, Inspector, Eva Smith. I remember her quite well now. She was a lively, good-looking girl. Good worker, too. In fact, the foreman there told me he was ready to promote her into what we call a leading operator, head of a small group of girls. But after they came back from their holidays, they were all rather restless, and they suddenly decided to ask for more money. But they were averaging about 22 and 6, neither more nor less than is paid generally in our industry, mm -hmm. that they wanted the rates raised so that they could average about 25 shillings a week. <laughs> yeah, well, I refused, of course. Why? Did you say why? Yes. Why did you refuse? Well, Inspector, I don't see that it's any concern of yours how I choose to run my business, is it now? It might be, you know. I don't like your tone. It's my duty to ask questions. Well, it's my duty to keep labour costs down, and if I'd agreed to this demand for a new rate, we'd have added about 12% to our labour costs. Does that satisfy you? So, I refused said I couldn't consider it. We were paying the usual rates, and if they didn't like those rates, but well, they could go and work somewhere else. Well, it's a free country. <laughs> I told them. It isn't if you can't go and work somewhere else. Eric, you hadn't even started in the works when this happened. So, 
they went on strike. But that didn't last long, of course. Not if it was just after the holidays. They'd be broke, if I know them. And so was the strike, after a week or two. Pitiful affair. Well, we let them all come back. At the old rates. Except the four or five ringleaders who started the trouble. I went down myself and I told them to clear out. And this girl, Eva Smith, well, she was one of them. She had a lot to say. Far too much. So, she had to go. He couldn't have done anything else. He could. He could have kept her on instead of throwing her out. I call it tough luck. Oh, rubbish. If you don't come down sharply on some of these people, they'd soon be asking for the earth. They might. But after all, it's better to ask for the earth than to take it. What did you say your name was, Inspector? Ghoul. G-O-O-L-E. How do you get on with our Chief Constable, Colonel Roberts? I don't see much of him. Well, perhaps I ought to warn you that he's an old friend of mine and that I see him fairly frequently. We play golf together sometimes up at the West Bromley. I don't play golf. I didn't suppose you did. Well, I think it's a damn shame about this girl, Eva Smith. Why shouldn't they try for higher wages? We try for the highest possible prices. I, I don't see why she should have been sacked just because she'd a bit more spirit than the others. You said yourself she was a good worker. I I'd have let her stay. Unless you brighten your ideas, young man, you'll never be in a position to let anyone stay or tell anybody to go. It's <sighs> about time you learnt to face a few responsibilities. That's something this public school and varsity life you've had, but it doesn't seem to teach you. But we don't need to tell the inspector all about that, do we? I don't see we need to tell the inspector anything more. In fact, there's nothing I can tell him. I told the girl to clear out, and she went. That's the last I heard of her. Well, what happened to her after that, then? Did she get into trouble? Go on the streets. No, she didn't exactly go on the streets. This is about streets. Oh, no. Oh, sorry. I didn't know we had company. Mummy sent me in to ask you why you didn't come along to the drawing room. Well, we should be along in a minute now, just finishing. I'm afraid not. Well, there's nothing else, you know. I've just told you that. What's all this about? Nothing to do with you, Sheila. Run along. No. Wait a minute, Miss Burling. Now, look here, Inspector. I consider this uncalled for and officious. I've half a mind to report you... I've told you all I know and there isn't the slightest reason why my daughter should be dragged into this unpleasant business. What business? What's happening? I'm a police inspector, Miss Burling. This afternoon a young woman drank some disinfectant and after several hours of agony died tonight in the infirmary. Oh. Oh, how horrible. Was this an accident? She, um, she wanted to end her life. She felt she couldn't go on any longer. Well... Oh. Don't tell me that's because I discharged her from my employment nearly two years ago. That might have started it. Did you, Dad? Yes. The girl had been causing trouble in the works. I was quite justified. Yes, I think you were. I know we'd have done the same thing. Oh. Don't look like that, Sheila. I'm sorry. It's just that I can't help thinking about this girl destroying herself so horribly. And, and I've been so happy tonight. Oh, I wish you hadn't told me. What was she like? Quite young? 24. Pretty? She wasn't pretty when I saw her today, but oh. she had been pretty. Very pretty. Now, that's enough of that. And I don't really see that this inquiry gets you anywhere, Inspector. 
It's what happened to her since she left Mr. Burling's works that is important, and we can't help you there because we don't know. Are you sure you don't know? Are you suggesting now that one of them knows something about this girl? Yes. You, you, you didn't come here just to see me, then? No. Well, of course, if I'd known that earlier, I wouldn't have called you officious and talked about reporting you. You understand that, don't you, Inspector? Look, are you sure of your facts? Some of them, yes. Well, I can't think that they could be of any great consequence. The girl is dead. You talk as if we were no, responsible. Just, just a minute, Sheila. Now, Inspector, perhaps you and I had better go and talk this over quietly together. Why should you? He's finished with you. He says it's one of us now. Well, I've never known an Eva Smith. Neither have I. Was that her name? Eva Smith? Yes. Never heard it before. So where are you now, Inspector? Where I was before, Mr Croft. I told you that, like a lot of these young women, she'd used more than one name. She was still Eva Smith when Mr Burling sacked her for wanting 25 shillings a week instead of 22 and 6. But after that, she stopped being Eva Smith. Perhaps she'd had enough of it. Can't blame her. Do you know what happened to this girl after she left my works? She was out of work for the next two months. Both her parents were dead, so she had no home to go back to. And she hadn't been able to save much from her wages. So that after two months, with no work, no money coming in, and living in lodgings with no relatives to help her, few friends, lonely, half-starved, she was feeling desperate. It's a rotten shame. There are a lot of young women living that sort of existence in every city and big town in this country, Miss Burling. If there weren't, the factories and warehouses wouldn't know where to look for cheap labour. Ask your father. But these girls aren't cheap labour, they're people. I've had that notion myself from time to time. In fact, I thought that it would do us all a bit of good if sometimes we tried to put ourselves in the place of these young women, counting their pennies in their dingy little back bedrooms. Yes, I expect it would. But what happened to her then? She had what seemed to her a wonderful stroke of luck. She was taken on in a shop, and a good shop, too. Melwood's. Melwood's? Well, we go there. In fact, I was there this afternoon. She was lucky to get taken on at Millwood's. That's what she thought. And it happened that at the beginning of December that year, there was a good deal of influenza about, and Millwood suddenly found themselves short-handed. So that gave her her chance. It seemed she liked working there. It was a nice change from a factory. Mm. She was making a good, fresh start. You can imagine how she felt. Mm. Oh, yeah. And then she got herself into trouble there, I suppose. After about a couple of months, just when she felt she was settling down nicely, they told her she'd have to go. Yeah, not doing her work properly. There was nothing wrong with her work. A customer complained about her, and so she had to go. When was this? The end of January last year. What did this girl look like? I'll show you a photograph of her, Miss Burling. Yeah. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Well, what's the matter with her? She recognised her, didn't she? Yes. Why the devil do you want to go upsetting the child like that? I didn't do it. She's upsetting herself. Well, why? That's something I have to find out. 
Well, if you don't mind, I'll find out first. Shall I go to No, no, you leave this to me. Must have a word with my wife. Tell her what's happening. We were having a nice little family celebration this evening. And a nasty mess you've made of it, haven't you? That's more or less what I was thinking earlier tonight, when I was in the infirmary, looking at what was left of Eva Smith. A nice little promising life there, I thought. And a nasty mess somebody's made of it. I'd like to have a look at that photograph now, Inspector. You heard what I said before, Mr Croft. One line of inquiry at a time. Otherwise, we'll all be talking at once and won't know where we are. If you've anything to tell me, you'll have an opportunity of doing it soon. Look here, I've had enough of this. I dare say. I'm sorry, but you see, we were having a little party and I've had a few drinks, in, including rather a lot of champagne, and I've got a headache. And as I'm only on the way here, I think I'd better turn in. And I think you'd better stay here. Why should I? If you turn in, you might have to turn out again soon. Getting a bit heavy-handed, aren't you, Inspector? Possibly. But if you're easy with me, I'm easy with you. After all, you know, we're respectable citizens and not criminals. Sometimes there isn't as much difference as you think. Well, Miss Burling? You knew it was me all the time, didn't you? I had an idea it might be. From something the girl herself wrote. I've told my father. He, he didn't seem to think it amounted to much. But I felt rotten about it at the time, and now I feel a lot worse. Did it make much difference to her? It was the last real steady job she had. When she lost it, for no reason that she could discover, she decided she might as well try another kind of life. So I'm really responsible. A good deal happened to her after that, but you're partly to blame, just as your father is. But what did Sheila do? Uh, I, I went to the manager at Millwoods and I told him that if they didn't get rid of that girl, I'd persuade Mother to close our account with them. And why did you do that? Because I was in a furious temper. And what had this girl done to make you lose your temper? Oh, when I was looking at myself in the mirror, I caught sight of her smiling at the assistant and I was furious with her. I'd been in a bad temper anyhow. And was it the girl's fault? No, not really. Well, all right, Gerald, you needn't look at me like that. At least I'm trying to tell the truth. I expect you've done things you're ashamed of too. Well, I never said I hadn't. Never mind about that. You can settle that between you afterwards. What happened, Miss Burling? I'd gone in to try something on. It was an idea of my own. Mother had been against it and so had the assistant, but I insisted. As soon as I tried it on, I knew they'd been right. It just didn't suit me at all. I looked silly. Well, this girl had brought the dress up from the workroom and when the assistant, Miss Frances, had asked her something about it, this girl, to show us what she meant, held the dress up as if she was wearing it. And it just suited her. She was the right type for it, just as I was the wrong type. She was a very pretty girl, too. With big, dark eyes and... <laughs> That didn't make it any better. Well, when I tried the thing on and looked at myself and knew that it was all wrong, I caught sight of this girl smiling at Miss Frances as if to say, oh, doesn't she look awful? And I was absolutely furious. I went to the manager and I told him that this girl had been very impertinent and that... Oh, how could I know what would happen afterwards? If she'd been some miserable, plain little creature, I don't suppose I'd have done it. 
But she was very pretty and looked as if she could take care of herself. I couldn't be sorry for her. In fact, you might be said to have been jealous of her. Yes, I suppose so. And so you used the power you had, as a daughter of a good customer and also of a man well-known in the town, to punish the girl just because she made you feel like that. But it didn't seem to be anything very terrible at the time. Don't you understand? And if I could help her now, I would. Yes, but you can't. It's too late. She's dead. My God. It's a bit thick when you come to think of it. Oh, shut up, Eric. It's the only time I've ever done anything like that, and I'll never, never do it again to anybody. I've noticed them giving me a sort of look sometimes at Millwood's. I noticed it even this afternoon. And I suppose some of them remember. Oh, why had this to happen? That's what I asked myself tonight when I was looking at that dead girl. And then I said to myself, well, we'll try to understand why it had to happen. And that's why I'm here and why I'm not going until I know all that happened. Eva Smith lost her job with Burling and Company because the strike failed and they were determined not to have another one. At last, she found another job in a big shop and had to leave there because you were annoyed with yourself and passed the annoyance on to her. Now she had to try something else. So first she changed her name to Daisy Renton. Daisy Renton? Where is your father, Miss Burling? I'd like to have another word with him now, if that's all right. Mm. Eric, take the inspector along to the drawing room. Well, Gerald? Well, what? Sheila? How did you come to know this Eva Smith? I didn't. Daisy Renton, then. It's the same thing. Well, why should I have known her? You gave yourself away as soon as he mentioned her other name. All right. I knew her. Let's leave it at that. We can't leave it at that. Now, listen, darling. You not only knew her, but you knew her very well. Otherwise, you wouldn't look so guilty about it. When did you first get to know her? Was it after she left Millwood's? When she changed her name, as he said, and began to lead a different sort of life. Were you seeing her last spring and summer when you hardly came near me and said you were so busy? Were you? Oh, yes, of course you were. I'm sorry, Sheila, but it was all over and done with last summer. I hadn't set eyes on the girl for at least six months. I don't come into this suicide business. I thought I didn't half an hour ago. You don't. Neither of us does. So, for God's sake, don't say anything to the inspector. About you and this girl? Yes, we can keep it from him. <laughs> oh, you fool, he knows. Of course he knows, and I'd hate to think how much he knows that we don't know yet. Well, Mr Croft? <laughs> you see, Gerald, what did I tell you? <laughs> what did you tell her? Inspector, I think Miss Burling ought to be excused any more of this questioning. She's nothing more to tell you. She's had a long, exciting and tiring day. We were celebrating our engagement, you know. <laughs> and now she's obviously had about as much as she can stand. He means that I'm getting hysterical. Well, I've no more questions to ask you. No. But you haven't finished asking questions, have you? No. Then I'm staying. Why should you? It's bound to be unpleasant and disturbing. And you think young women ought to be protected against unpleasant and disturbing things? If possible, yes. Well, we know one young woman who wasn't, don't we? I suppose I asked for that. Be careful you don't ask for any more, Gerald. Why stay when you'll hate it? It can't be any worse for me than it has been. And it might be better. I see. 
What do you see? You've been through it, and now you want to see somebody else put through it. So that's what you think I'm like? Well, I'm glad I realised it in time. No, no, I didn't mean... Yes, you did. And if you'd really loved me, you couldn't have said that. You listened to that nice story about me. I got that girl sack from Millwoods, and now you've made up your mind that I must obviously be a selfish, vindictive creature. I neither said that nor even suggested then it. Then why say I want to see somebody else put through it? That's not what I meant at all. All right, then, I'm sorry. Yes, but you don't believe me. And this is just the wrong time not to believe me. I can tell you why Miss Burling wants to stay on, and why she says it might be better for her if she did. A girl died tonight. A pretty, lively sort of girl who never did anybody no harm. But she died in misery and agony, hating life. Don't, please, I know, I know, and I can't stop thinking about it. Now, Miss Burling has just been made to understand what she did to this girl. She feels responsible. If she leaves us now and doesn't hear any more, then she'll feel she's entirely to blame. She'll be alone with her responsibility the rest of tonight, all tomorrow, all the next night. Yes, that's it. And I know I'm to blame, but I'm desperately sorry, but I, I can't believe, I won't believe it's simply my fault that in the end she... she committed suicide. That would be too horrible. You see, we have to share something. If there's nothing else, we have to share our guilt. Good evening, Inspector. Good evening, madam. I'm Mrs. Burling, you know. My husband has just explained why you're here. And while we'll be glad to tell you anything you want to know, I don't think we can help you much. No, Mother, please. What's the matter, Sheila? I know it sounds silly. What does? You're beginning all wrong, and I'm afraid you'll say something or, or do something that you'll be sorry for afterwards. I don't know what you're talking about, Sheila. We all started like that. So confident, so pleased with ourselves, until he began asking us questions. <clears throat> You seem to have made a great impression on this child, Inspector. We often do on the young ones. They're more impressionable. You're looking tired, dear. I think you ought to go to bed and forget about this absurd business. You'll feel better in the morning. Mother, I couldn't possibly go. Nothing could be worse for me. We've settled all that. I'm staying here until I know why that girl killed herself. Nothing but morbid curiosity. No, it isn't. Please don't contradict me like that. In any case... I don't suppose for a moment that we can understand why the girl committed suicide. Girls of that class... Mother, don't. For your own sake as well as ours, you mustn't. Really, Sheila? You mustn't try and build up a kind of wall between us and that girl. If you do, then the inspector will just break it down. And it'll be all the worse when he does. She's right. I beg your pardon? I said she's right. That, I consider, is a trifle impertinent, <laughs> inspector. Now what is it, Sheila? I don't know. <laughs> or perhaps it's because impertinent is such a silly word. In any case... But, Mother, do stop before it's too late. If you mean that the inspector will take offence... No, no, I never take offence. I'm glad to hear it. Though it seems to me that we have more reason for taking offence. Let's leave offence out of it, shall we? I think we'd better. So do I. I realise that you may have to conduct some sort of inquiry, Inspector... But I must say that, so far, you seem to be conducting it in a rather peculiar and offensive manner. You know, of course, that my husband was Lord Mayor only two years ago, and that he's still a magistrate. Mrs Berlin, the inspector, knows all that. And I don't think it's a very good idea to remind you. It's crazy. Stop it, please, Mother. Yes. Now, what about Mr Burling? 
he's coming back in a moment. He's just talking to my son, Eric, who seems to be in an excitable, silly mood. What's the matter with him? Eric? Oh, <laughs> I'm afraid he may have had rather too much to drink tonight. We were having a little celebration here. Isn't he used to drink? No, of course not. He's only a boy. No, he's a young man. And some young men drink far too much. And Eric's one of them. Sheila! I don't want to get poor Eric into trouble, but we really must stop these silly pretenses. <coughs> this isn't the time to pretend that Eric isn't used to drink. He's been steadily drinking too much for the last two years. <laughs> it isn't true. You know him, Gerald. Say it isn't true. Well, Mr Croft? I'm afraid it is, you know. Actually, I've never seen much of him outside this house, but, well, I have gathered that he does drink pretty hard. <laughs> and this is the time you choose to tell me. Yes. Of course it is. <clears throat> That's what I meant when I talked about building up a wall that's sure to be knocked flat. It makes it all the harder to bear. But it's you, and not the inspector here who's doing it. Yes, but don't you see? He hasn't started on you yet. <clears throat> if necessary, I shall be glad to answer any questions the inspector wishes to ask me. Though, naturally, I don't know anything about this girl. I've been trying to persuade Eric to go to bed, but he won't. Now he says you told him to stay up, Inspector. <clears throat> did you? Yes, I did. Why? Because I shall want to talk to him, Mr. Burley. Well, I can't see why you should. But if you must, then I suggest you do it now. Have him in. Get it over, and then let the lad go. No, I can't do that yet. I'm sorry, but he'll have to wait. Now, look here, Inspector. He must wait his turn. I've told you before, I don't like your tone. Not the way you're handling this inquiry. And I don't propose to give you much more rope. You needn't give me any rope. No, he's giving us rope so that we'll hang ourselves. What's the matter with that child? She's overexcited. Well, come along, Inspector. What is it you want to know? At the end of January last year... This girl, Eva Smith, had to leave Millwood's because Miss Burling compelled them to discharge her. And then she stopped being Eva Smith looking for a job and became Daisy Renton with other ideas. Mr Croft, where did you first get to know her? Gerald? What's this? Where did you get the idea that I did know her? It's no use, Gerald. You're wasting time. As soon as I mentioned the name Daisy Renton, you gave yourself away at once. Of course he did. When and where did you first meet her? All right, if you must have it. I met her first, sometime in March last year, in the stalls bar at the Palace. I mean the Palace Music Hall here in Bromley. <laughs> well, we didn't think you meant Buckingham Palace. Thanks. <clears throat> You're going to be a great help, I can see. Look, you've said your piece. You're obviously going to hate this. So why on earth don't you leave us to it? Nothing would induce me. I want to understand exactly what happens when a man says he's so busy at the works that he can hardly ever find time to come and see the girl he's supposed to be in love with. In the stalls bar at the Palace Variety Theatre. I happened to look in one night after a rather long, dull day, and as the show wasn't very bright, I went down into the bar for a drink. It's a favourite haunt of women of the town. Women of the town? I think it would be much better if Sheila didn't listen to this. But you're forgetting I'm supposed to be engaged to the hero of it. Go on, Gerald. You went down into the bar, which is a favourite haunt of the women of the town. I'm glad I'm using Come along, Mr Croft. What happened? I didn't propose to stay long. I hate those hard-eyed, doe-faced women. But then I noticed a girl who looked quite different from the others. She... My God. 
God. What's the matter? Sorry, I... Well, I've suddenly realised, taking it in properly, that she's dead. Yes. She's dead. And probably between us we killed her. Sheila, don't talk nonsense. Go on, Mr Croft. Well, she looked young and fresh and charming and altogether out of place down there. And she obviously wasn't enjoying herself. Old Joe Meggerty, half drunk, had wedged her into a corner with that obscene fat carcass of his. There's no need to be disgusting. And surely you don't mean Alderman Meggerty? Of course I do. He's a notorious womanizer, as well as being one of the worst sots in Brumley. Well, really? Alderman Meggerty, I must say, we are learning something tonight. Go on, please. Well, the girl saw me looking mm. at her and then gave me a glance that was nothing less than a cry for help. So I went across and told Joe Meggerty some nonsense that the manager had a message for him or something like that. Got him out of the way. And then told the girl she'd better let me take her out there. Where did you go? The county hotel, which I knew would be quiet at that time of night. And we had a drink or two and talked. She talked about herself? She told me her name was Daisy Renton, that she'd lost both parents and she came originally from somewhere outside Bromley. I couldn't get any exact details from her about her past life. What she did let slip, though she didn't mean to, was that she was desperately hard up and at that moment was actually hungry. I made the people at the county find some food for her. And then you decided to keep her as your mistress? What? Of course, Mother. It was obvious from the start. I discovered she was going to be turned out of the miserable back room she had. A friend of mine, Charlie Brunswick, had gone off to Canada for six months and had let me have the key of a nice little set of rooms he had and asked me to keep an eye on them for him and use them if I wanted to. So I insisted on Daisy moving into those rooms and I made her take some money to keep her going there. I want you to understand that I didn't install her there so I could make love to her. I made her go because I was sorry for her and I didn't like the idea of her going back to the palace bar. I didn't ask for anything in return. Why are you saying that to him? You ought to be saying it to me. I suppose I ought, really. I'm sorry, Sheila. Somehow I... I know. Somehow he makes But you... she became your mistress. I suppose it was inevitable. She was young and pretty and warm-hearted and intensely grateful. I became the most important person in her life. You understand? Were you in love with her? Just what I was going to ask. No, I really must protest. Why should you do any protesting? It was you who turned the girl out in the first place. I only did what any employer might have done. And what I was going to say was that I protest against the way in which my daughter, a young unmarried girl, is being dragged into this... I'm not a child, Father, don't forget. I have a right to know. Were you in love with her, Gerald? It's hard to say. But I didn't feel about her as she felt about me. Well, of course not. You were the wonderful fairy prince. You must have adored it. All right, I did, for a time. Nearly any man would have done. That's probably about the best thing you've said tonight. At least it's honest. Did you go and see her every night? No. I wasn't telling you a complete lie when I said I'd been busy at the works. We were very busy. But of course I did see a good deal of her. I don't think we want any further details of this disgusting affair. I do. And anyhow, we haven't had any details yet. And you're not going to have any. You know, it wasn't disgusting. It's disgusting to me. Inspector, is there anything else you want to know? that you ought to know. When did this affair end? I can tell you exactly. In the first week of September. I had to go away for several weeks on business, and by that time Daisy knew it was coming to an end, so I broke it off definitely before I went. How did you take it? Better than I'd hoped. She was 
very gallant about it. That was nice for you. No, it wasn't. She told me she'd been happier than she'd ever been before, but that she knew it couldn't last. Hadn't expected it to last. She didn't blame me at all. Oh, I wish to God she had now. Perhaps I'd feel better about it. She had to move out of those rooms? Yes. She'd saved a little money during the summer. She didn't want to take any more from me, but I insisted on a parting gift to see her through to the end of the year. Did she tell you what she proposed to do after you left her? No, she refused to talk about that. I never saw her again. And that's all I can tell you. It's all I want to know from you. In that case, as I'm rather more upset by this business than I probably appear to be, and... Well, I'd like to be alone for a little while. I'd be glad if you'd let me go. Go where? Home? No, I'll just go out and walk about for a while, if you don't mind. I'll come back. All right, Mr Croft. Just in case you forget or decide not to come back, Gerald, I think you'd better take your ring with you. I see. Well, I was expecting this. I don't dislike you as I did half an hour ago, Gerald. In fact, in some odd way, I respect you rather more than I've ever done before. I knew, anyhow, you were lying about those months last year when you hardly came near me. And now, it, well, at least you've been honest. And I believe what you told us about the way you helped her at first, just out of pity. And it was my fault, really, that she was so desperate when you first met her. But this has made a difference. You and I aren't the same people who sat down to dinner here. We'd have to start all over again, getting to know each other. Now, Sheila, I'm not defending him, but you must understand that a lot of young men... Don't interfere, please, Father. Gerald knows what I mean. Yes, I know what you mean. But I'm coming back, if I may. All right. Well, really, I don't know. I think we've just about come to an end of this wretched business. I don't think so. Excuse me. You never showed him that photograph, Inspector. It wasn't necessary. And I thought it better not to. You have a photograph of this girl? Yes, I think you'd better take a look at it, Mrs Burling. Very well. You recognise her? No. Why should I? I can't believe she could have changed so much. I don't understand you, Inspector. You mean you don't choose to, Mrs Burling? I meant what I said. You're not telling me the truth. I beg your pardon. Now, look here, I'm not going to have this, Inspector. You'll apologise at once. Apologise for what? Doing my duty? No. For being so offensive about it. I'm a public man. Public men, Mr Burling, have responsibilities as well as privileges. Possibly. But you weren't asked to come here to talk to me about my responsibilities. Let's hope not. Though I am beginning to wonder. Does that mean anything, Sheila? It means that we've no excuse now for putting on airs. And that if we've any sense, we won't try. Father threw this girl out because she asked for decent wages. I pushed her further out, right into the street, just because I was angry and she was pretty. Gerald set her up as his mistress and then dropped her when it suited him. And now you're pretending that you don't recognise her from that photograph. I admit I don't know why you should, but I know jolly well you did recognise her from the way that you looked. And if you're not telling the truth, why should the inspector apologise? Can't you see, both of you, that you're making it worse? Gerald must have come back. Unless your son has just gone out. I'll see. Mrs Burling, you're a prominent member of the Bramley Women's Charity Organisation, aren't you? 
Go on, Mother, you might as well admit it. Yes, she is. Why? It's an organisation to which women in distress can appeal for help. Isn't that so? We have done a great deal of useful work in helping deserving cases. There was a meeting of the interviewing committee two weeks ago? I dare say there was. You know very well there was, Mrs Burling. You were in the chair. And if I was, what business is it of yours? <laughs> Do you want me to tell you? In plain words? Uh, that must have been Eric going out. Oh, silly boy, where can he have gone to? He was in one of his excitable moods. And even though we don't need him here... We do need him here. And if he's not back soon, I shall have to go and find him. He's probably just gone to cool off. He'll be back soon. I hope so. And why should you hope so? I'll explain why when you've answered my questions, Mrs Burling. Is there any reason why my wife should answer questions from you, Inspector? You'll remember that Mr Croft told us, quite truthfully, I believe, that he hadn't spoken to or seen Eva Smith since last September. But Mrs Burling spoke to and saw her only two weeks ago. Mother! Is this true? Yes, quite true. She appealed to your organisation for help? Yes. Not as Eva Smith? No, nor as Daisy Renton. As what, then? First, she called herself Mrs Burling. Mrs Burling? It was a piece of gross impertinence, quite deliberate, and naturally... That was one of the things that prejudiced me against her case. And I should think so. Damned impudence. You admit being prejudiced against her case? Yes. Mother, she's just died a horrible death. I'm very sorry, but I think she had only herself to blame. Was it owing to your influence as the most prominent member of the committee that help was refused the girl? Possibly. Was it or was it not your influence? Yes, it was. I didn't like her manner. She'd impertinently made use of our name. Though she pretended afterwards, it just happened to be the first she thought of. She had to admit, after I began questioning her, that the story she told at first, about a husband who deserted her, was quite false. Why did she want help? You know very well why. No, I don't. I know why she needed help. But as I wasn't there, I don't know what she asked from your committee. If you think you can bring any pressure to bear upon me, Inspector, you're quite mistaken. Unlike the other three, I did nothing I'm ashamed of or that won't bear investigation. The girl asked for assistance. We are asked to look carefully into the claims made upon us. I wasn't satisfied with this girl's claim. She seemed to me to be not a good case, so I used my influence to have it refused. And in spite of what's happened to the girl since, I consider I did my duty. So... If I prefer not to discuss it any further, you have no power to make me change my mind. Yes, I have. No, you haven't. Simply because I've done nothing wrong. And you know it. I think you did something terribly wrong. And that you're going to spend the rest of your life regretting it. I wish you'd been with me tonight in the infirmary. You'd have seen... No, 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 please, please, not that again. I've imagined it enough already. Then the next time you imagine it, just remember that this girl was going to have a child. she have wanted to kill herself? Because she'd been turned out and turned down too many times. Mother, you must have known. It was because she was going to have a child that she went for assistance to your mother's committee. Look here, this, this wasn't Gerald Croft. No, no, nothing to do with him. Oh, thank goodness for that. Though I don't know why I should care now. And you've nothing further to tell me, Mrs Burling? I'll tell you what I told her. 
Go and look for the father of the child. It's his responsibility. That doesn't make it any the less yours. She came to you for help at a time when no woman could have needed it more, and you not only refused it yourself, but saw to it that the others refused it too. She was alone, friendless, almost penniless, desperate. She needed not only money, but advice, sympathy, friendliness. You've had children. You must have known what she was feeling, and you slammed the door in her face. Mother, I think it was cruel and vile. Well, I must say, Sybil, that when this comes out at the inquest, it, it isn't going to do us much good. The press might easily take oh, us Oh, stop off. it, both of you. And before you start accusing me of anything again, remember that it wasn't I who had her turned out of her employment, which probably began it all. In the circumstances, Inspector, I think I was justified. The girl had begun by telling us a pack of lies. Afterwards, when I got at the truth, I discovered that she knew who the father was. So I told her it was her business to make him responsible. If he refused to marry her, and in my opinion, he ought to be compelled to, then he must at least support her. And what did she reply to that? Oh, she was giving herself ridiculous airs. She was claiming elaborate fine feelings and scruples that were simply absurd in a girl in her position. Her position now is that she lies with her burnt-out inside on a slab. Well, I, I, I ask you... Don't though, stammer and yammer at me again, man. I'm losing all patience with you people. What did she say? She said that the father was only a youngster. Silly and wild and drinking too much. There couldn't be any question of marrying him. It would be wrong for them both. He had given her money, but she didn't want to take any more money from him. Why didn't she want to take any more money from him? Oh, she had some fancy reason. <laughs> As if a girl of that sort would ever refuse money. I warn you, you're making it worse for yourself. What reason did she give for not taking any more money? Her story was that he'd said something one night when he was drunk that gave her the idea that it wasn't his money. Where had he got it from then? He'd stolen it. So she'd come to you for assistance because she didn't want to take stolen That's money. That's the story she finally told after I'd refused to believe her original story, that she was a married woman who'd been deserted by her husband. I didn't see any reason to believe that one story should be any truer than the other. Therefore, you're quite wrong to suppose I shall regret what I did. But if her story was true, if this boy had been giving her stolen money, then she came to you for help because she wanted to keep this youngster out of any more trouble. Isn't that so? Possibly. <gasps> but it sounded ridiculous to me. So I was perfectly justified in advising my committee not to allow her claim for assistance. You're not even sorry now? When you know what happened to the girl? I am sorry that she should have come to such a horrible end. But I accept no blame for it. Who is to blame, then? First, the girl herself. For letting father oh. and me have her chucked out of her job. Secondly, I blame the young man who was the father of the child she was going to have. If, as she said, he didn't belong to her class and was some drunken young idler, then that's all the more reason why he shouldn't escape. He should be made an example of. If the girl's death is due to anybody, then it's due to him. And if her story is true... That he was stealing money. Then he'd be entirely responsible because the girl wouldn't have come to us and have been refused assistance if it hadn't been for him. So he's the chief culprit anyhow. Certainly. And he ought to be dealt with very severely. Mother, stop, stop. Be quiet, Sheila. But don't you see? You are behaving like an hysterical child tonight, Sheila. <sighs> and if you'd take some steps to find this young man, Inspector, and then make sure that he's compelled to confess in 
public his responsibility, instead of staying here asking quite unnecessary questions, then you really would be doing your duty. Don't worry, Mrs. Burling. I shall do my duty. I am glad to hear it. No hushing up. Make an example of the young man. Public confession of responsibility. Certainly. I consider it your duty. And now, no doubt, you'd like to say good night. Not yet. I'm waiting. Waiting? For what? To do my duty. Now, Mother. Don't you see? Oh. Uh, no, but, uh, uh, surely I... I mean... No, it's, it's ridiculous. Look, Inspector, you, you're not trying to tell us that, that my boy is mixed up in this. If he is, then we know what to do, don't we? Mrs Burling has just told us. Oh, my God. Oh, no, but, but, look, but look here, look. No, no, I don't believe it. I won't believe it. Mother, I begged you and begged you to stop. You all know, don't you? Yes, we know. Eric, I can't believe it. There must be some mistake. You don't know what we've been saying. It's a good job for him he doesn't, isn't it? Why? Because Mother's been busy blaming everything on the young man who got this girl into trouble and saying that he shouldn't escape and should be made an example no, of... That's enough, Sheila. You haven't made it any easier for me, have you, Mother? But I didn't know it was you. I never dreamt. Besides... You're not that type. You don't get drunk. Of course he does. I told you he did. Why? You little sneak. No, that's not fair, Eric. I could have told her months ago, but of course I didn't. I only told her tonight because I knew everything was bound to come out tonight. So I thought she might as well know in advance. Sheila, I simply don't understand your attitude. If you have any sense of loyalty... Oh, but... Just a minute. There'll be plenty of time when I've gone for you all to adjust your family relationships. But now I must hear what your son has to tell me. When did you first meet this girl? One night last November. Where did you meet her? In the palace bar. I'd been there an hour or so with two or three chaps. What happened then? I began talking to her and stood her a few drinks. I was rather far gone by the time we had to go. She drunk too? Uh, she told me afterwards she was a bit, chiefly because she'd not had much to eat that day. Why had she gone there? She wasn't the usual sort, but, well, I suppose she, she didn't know what to do. Uh, there was some woman who wanted her to go there. I, I, I never quite understood about that. You went with her to her lodgings that night? Uh, yes. I insisted, it seems. I'm not very clear about it, but afterwards she told me... She didn't want me to go in, but that I... Well, I was in that state when a chap easily turns nasty and I threatened to make a row. So she let you in? And that's when it happened. Oh. And I didn't even remember, and that's the... That's the hellish thing. Oh, Eric, how could you... Sheila, Sheila, take your mother along to the drawing room. But I want... Now, you heard what I said. 
Go on, Sybil. Come on, Mother. When did you meet her again? About a fortnight afterwards. By appointment? No. And I couldn't remember her name or where she lived. It was all very vague. But I happened to see her again in, in the palace bar. And you took her home again? Yes. And this time we talked a bit. She told me something about herself, and I talked too. I told her my name and what I did. And you made love again? I, I wasn't in love with her or anything, but... Well, I liked her. She, she was pretty and a good sport. Well, I'm sure you had to go to bed with her. I'm, I'm old enough to be married, aren't I? And I'm not married. And I hate these fat old tarts around the town, the ones I see some of your respectable friends with. I don't want any of that I don't want any you. of it from either of you. Settle it afterwards. Did you arrange to see each other after that? Yes. And the next time, or, or the time after, she told me she thought she was going to have a baby. And, of course, she was very worried about it. Yes, and so was I. I... I was in a hell of a state about it. Did she suggest you ought to marry her? Oh, she didn't want me to marry her. I said I didn't love her and all that. In a way, she treated me as if I were a kid, though I was nearly as old as she was. So what did you propose to do? Well, she hadn't a job and didn't feel like trying again for one, and she'd no money left, so I insisted on giving her enough money to keep her going until she refused to take any more. How much did you give her altogether? I, I suppose uh, about £50, pounds, all told. £50? Pounds? Where did you get £50 pounds from? That's my question, too. I, I got it from the office. My office? Yes. You mean you stole the money? Uh, not really. Well, what do you mean, not really? Is it my fault? I simply couldn't stay in there. I had to know what's happening. Well, I can tell you what's happening. He's admitted he was responsible for the girl's condition, and now he's telling us he supplied her with money he stole from the office. Eric, you stole money? No, not really. I intended to pay it back. Oh, we've had that story before. How could you have paid it back? I'd have managed somehow. I had to have some money. Damned fool! Why didn't you come to me when you found yourself in this mess? Because you're not the kind of father a chap could go to when he's in trouble. That's why. Don't you talk to me like that. Your trouble is you've been spoiled. And my trouble is that I haven't much time. You'll be able to divide the responsibility between you when I've gone. Just one last question, that's all. The girl discovered that this money you were giving her was stolen, didn't she? Yes. That was the worst of all. She wouldn't take any more, and she said she didn't want to see me again. Here, but how do you know that? Did she tell you? No, she told me nothing. I never spoke to her. She told Mother. She? She, she told you. Did she come here? Then she couldn't have done. She didn't even know I lived here. What happened? Come on, Mother, don't uh, just look at me like that. Tell me. Tell me what happened. I'll tell you. She went to your mother's committee for help after she'd done with you. Your mother refused that help. Then you killed her. She came to you to protect me and you turned her away, yes? And you killed that her. Eric. And the child she'd have had too, my child, or your own grandchild. You killed them both. Damn you. Damn you. Oh, Eric, please, I didn't know. I didn't understand. You don't understand anything, do you? You never did. You never even tried to. Oh, you hysterical young fool. Get back. Stop. And listen to me. I don't need to know any more. Neither do you. This girl killed herself and died a horrible death. 
But each of you helped to kill her. Remember that. Never forget it. <laughs> but then, I don't think you ever will. Remember what you did, Mrs. Burling. You turned her away when she most needed help. You refused her even the pitiable little bit of organized charity you had in your power to grant her. <laughs> Remember what you did. My God. I'm not likely to forget. Just used her for the end of a stupid, drunken evening. As if she was an animal. A thing. Not a person. You... Miss Burling. I know. I had her turned out of a job. I started it. You helped, but didn't start it. Your father started it. She wanted 25 shillings a week instead of 22 and sixpence. You made her pay a heavy price for that. And now she'll make you pay a heavier price still. Look, Inspector, I'd give thousands. Yes, Thousands here, you're offering the money at the wrong time, Mr. Burling. Now, I don't think any of you will forget. Nor that young man, Croft, though he at least had some affection for her and made her happy for a time. Well, Eva Smith's gone. You can't do her any more harm. And you can't do her any good now, either. You can't even say, I'm sorry, Eva Smith. That's the worst of it. But just remember this. One Eva Smith has gone. But there are millions and millions and millions of Eva Smiths and John Smiths still left with us. With their lives, their hopes and fears, their suffering and chance of happiness. All intertwined with our lives, with what we think and say, and do. We don't live alone. We are members of one body. We are responsible for each other. And I tell you that the time will soon come when if men will not learn that lesson, then they will be taught it in fire and blood and anguish. Good night. <sighs> You're the one I blame for this, Eric. I'll bet I am. Yes. And you don't realise yet all you've done. There'd be a public scandal. Well, I don't care now. You you don't seem to care about anything. But I care. I was almost certain for a knighthood in the next honours lesson. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. What does it matter now whether they give you a knighthood or not? Well, it doesn't matter to you. Apparently nothing matters to you. But it may interest you to know that until every penny of that money you stole is repaid, you'll work for nothing. <laughs> and there's going to be no more of this drinking around the town and... Picking up women in the palace bar. I think not. Eric, I'm absolutely ashamed of well, you. Well, I don't blame you, but don't forget, I'm ashamed of you as well. <laughs> yes, both of you. Drop that. That's a very excuse for what both your mother and I did. 
turned out unfortunately. That's all. That's all? Oh, well, what have you to say? Well, I don't know where to begin. Then don't. I behaved badly too. I know I did. I'm ashamed of it. But now you're beginning all over again to pretend that nothing much has happened. Well, nothing just happened. Haven't I already said there'd be a public scandal? And who will suffer from that more than I will? But that's not what I'm talking about. I don't care about that. The point is, you don't seem to have learned anything. Oh, don't I? Well, you're quite wrong there. I've learned plenty tonight. And you don't want me to tell you what I've learned. When I look back on tonight, when I think of what I was feeling when the five of us sat down to dinner yes. at that table... And do you remember what you said to me and Gerald after dinner? When you were feeling so pleased with yourself, you told us that a man has to make his own way, look after himself and mind his own business, that we weren't to take any notice of these cranks who tell us that everybody has to look after everybody else. Do you remember? Yes. And then one of those cranks walked in. Oh. The inspector. I didn't notice you told him it's every man for himself. Is that when the inspector came, just after Father said that? Yes. What of it? Now what's the matter, Sheila? It's strange. Very strange. I know what you're going to say, because I've been wondering myself. It doesn't much matter now, of course, but was he really a police inspector? <laughs> well, if he wasn't, it matters a devil of a lot. Makes all the difference. No, it doesn't. Oh, don't talk rubbish. Of course it does. Well, it doesn't to me, and it oughtn't to you either. Don't be childish, Sheila. I'm not being... If you want to know, it's you two who are being childish, trying not to face the facts. No, I won't have that sort of talk. Any more of that and, and you leave this room. That'll be terrible for her, won't it? I'm going anyhow in a minute or two. But don't you see? If all that's come out tonight is true, then it doesn't much matter who it was who made us confess. And it was true, wasn't it? Father turned the girl out of one job and I had her turned out of another. Gerald kept her at a time when he was supposed to be too busy to see me. Eric... Well, we know what Eric did. And Mother hardened her heart and gave her the final push that finished her. That's what's important, and not whether a man is a police inspector or not. He was our police inspector, all right. That's what I mean. I have an idea, and I had it all along, vaguely, that there was something curious about him. He never seemed like an ordinary police inspector. You're right. I felt it, too. Didn't you, Sybil? Well, I must say his manner was quite extraordinary. So, so rude and assertive. But look at the way he talked to me. Telling me to shut up and so on. He must have known I was an ex-Lord Mayor and a magistrate and so forth. Besides, the way he talked. You remember? I mean, they don't talk like that. I've had dealings with dozens of them. We hardly ever told him anything he didn't know. Did you notice that? He had a bit of information left by the girl and he made a few smart guesses. Yeah, but the fact remains that if we hadn't talked so much, he'd have had little to go on. And really, when I come to think of it, why you all had to go letting everything come out like that? Well, it beats me. It's all right talking like that now, but he made us confess. He certainly didn't make me confess, as you call it. I told him quite plainly that I thought I had done no more than my duty. Oh, Mother. But the fact is, you allowed yourselves to be bluffed. I didn't notice you standing up to him. No, because by that time you'd admitted that you'd been taking money. What chance had I after that? I was a fool not to have insisted upon seeing him alone. That wouldn't have worked. Of course it wouldn't. Really, from the way you children talk, you might be wanting to help him instead of us. Now, just be quiet, so that your father can decide what we ought to do. Yes, well, we'll have to do something. And get to work. Quickly, too. Well, now, who's this? Oh, had I better go? Edmund will go. 
I asked her to wait up to make her some tea. It might be Gerald coming back. Oh, yes, yes, of course. I've forgotten about him. It's Mr Croft. I hope you don't mind my coming back. No, of course not, Gerald. When did that inspector go? Only a few minutes ago. He put us all through it. Sheila! Well, Gerald might as well know. No, no, we, we needn't bother him with all that stuff. Right. But we're all in it, up to the neck. It got worse after you left. How did he behave? He was frightening. If you ask me, he behaved in a very peculiar and suspicious manner. The rude way he spoke to Mr Burling and me, it was quite extraordinary. Quite extraordinary. You know something. What is it? That man wasn't a police officer. What? Are you certain? That's what I came back to tell you. Well, you, you asked about him. I met a police sergeant I know down the road. I asked him about this Inspector Ghoul and described the chap carefully to him. He swore there wasn't any Inspector Ghoul or anybody like him on the force here. You, you, you didn't tell him? No, no. I passed it off by saying I'd been having an argument with somebody, but the point is, this sergeant was dead certain they hadn't any inspector at all like the chap who came here. Oh, fake! Didn't I tell you? Didn't I say uh, I couldn't imagine a real police inspector talking to us like that? Well, you were right. There isn't any such inspector. We've been had. Yeah, I'm going to make certain of this. What are you going to do? Ring up the chief constable, Colonel Roberts. Careful what you say, dear. Yeah, of course. Uh, Brumley, eight, seven... I was going to do this anyhow. I had my suspicions all along. Uh, Colonel Roberts, please. Mr Arthur Burling here. Oh, Roberts. Burling here. Uh, sorry to ring you up so late, but um, can you tell me if an Inspector Ghoul has joined your staff lately? Ghoul. G-O-O-L-E. New man, tall, clean-shaven... Yes. Well, that settles it. Oh, no, 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 no. That's just a, a little argument we were having here. <laughs> Good night. Arthur, what did he say? There's no Inspector Ghoul on the police. <sighs> that man definitely wasn't a police inspector at all, as Gerald said. We've been heard. I felt it all the time. He never talked like one. He never even looked like one. Uh, this makes a difference, you know. It makes all the difference. Of course. I suppose we're all nice people now. <laughs> if you've nothing more sensible than that to say, Sheila, you'd better keep quiet. She's right, though. And you'd better keep quiet. If that had been a police inspector and he'd heard you confess... Arthur. Uh, yes, yes. You see, Gerald, you haven't to know the rest of our crimes and idiocies. That's all right. I don't want to. Well, so what do you make of this business now? Was it a hoax? Course. Somebody put that fellow up to coming here and hoaxing us. Well, there are people in this town who dislike me enough to do that. We ought to have seen through it from the very first. I say we must discuss this business quietly and sensibly and decide if there's anything to be done about it. You're absolutely right, my dear. Already we've discovered one important fact that that fellow was a fraud and we've been hoaxed. But we found him out. And all we have to do is to keep our heads. Now it's our turn. Our turn to do what? To behave sensibly, Sheila, which is more than you're doing. What's the use of talking about behaving sensibly? You're beginning to pretend now that nothing's really happened at all and I can't see it like that. 
This girl's still dead, isn't she? That's just what I feel, Eric. And it's what they don't seem to understand. Well, whoever that chap was, the fact remains that I did what I did. We all did what we did. It's still the same rotten story whether it's been told to a police inspector or to somebody else. According to you, I ought to feel a lot better. I stole some money, Gerald. You might as well know. Eric. I, I, I don't care. Let him know. The money's not the important thing. It's, it's what happened to the girl and what we all did to her that matters. And I still feel the same about it, and that's why I don't feel like sitting down and having a nice, cosy talk. Eric's absolutely right, and it's the best thing any one of us has said tonight. And it makes me feel a little bit less ashamed of us. You're just beginning to pretend all over again. Oh, for God's sake. Well, well, my dear, that's so damned exasperating. They just won't try to understand our position. Or see the difference between a lot of stuff like this coming out in private and a downright public scandal. And I say the girl's dead and we all helped to kill her and that's what matters. Oh. I say either stop shouting or get out. Some fathers I know would have kicked you out of the house anyhow by now. So hold your tongue if you want to stay here. I don't give a damn now whether I stay here or not. You'll stay here long enough to pay back that money you stole. But that won't bring Eva Smith back to life, will it? And it doesn't alter the fact that we all helped to kill her. But is it a fact? Oh, of course it is. You don't know the whole story yet. I suppose you're going to prove now that you didn't spend last summer keeping this girl instead of seeing me, eh? I did keep a girl last summer. I've admitted it and I'm sorry, Sheila. Well, I must admit you came out of it better than the rest of us. The inspector said that. He wasn't an inspector. Well, he inspected us all right. And don't let's start dodging and pretending now. Between us, we drove that girl to commit suicide. Who says so? Because I say there's no more real evidence we did than there was that that chap was a police inspector. Oh, of course there is. No, there isn't. Look at it. A man comes here pretending to be a police officer. It's a hoax of some kind. Now, what does he do? Very artfully, working on bits of information he's picked up here and there, he bluffs us into confessing that we've all been mixed up in this girl's life, in one way or another. And so we have. But how do you know it's the same girl? Oh, no, 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 wait, no, wait a minute. Let's see how that would work. Well, no, no, he wouldn't. We all admitted it. All right, you all admitted something to do with a girl. But how do you know it's the same girl? Look here, Mr Burling. You sack a girl called Eva Smith. You've forgotten, but he shows you a photograph of her, and then you remember, right? Yeah, that part's straightforward enough, but what then? Well, then he happens to know that Sheila once had a girl sack from Millwood's shop. He tells us that it's this same Eva Smith, and he shows her a photograph that she recognises. Yes, the same photograph. How do you know it's the same photograph? Did you see the one your father looked at? No, I didn't. And did your father see the one he showed you? No. And I see what you mean now. We've no proof it was the same photograph and therefore no proof it was the same girl. Now, take me. I never saw a photograph, remember? He caught me out by suddenly announcing that this girl changed her name to Daisy Renton. I gave myself away at once because I'd known a Daisy Renton. And there wasn't the slightest proof that this Daisy Renton was really Eva Smith. We've only his word for it. And we'd only his word for it that he was a police inspector. <laughs> And we now know that he was lying. So he could have been lying all the time. Of course he could. Oh. Probably was. Now, what happened after I left? I was upset because Eric had left the house and this man said that if Eric didn't come back, he'd have to go and find him. Well, that made me feel worse still. And his manner was so severe and he seemed so confident. Then quite suddenly, 
He said I'd seen Eva Smith uh, only two weeks uh, ago. Uh, the, those were his exact words. And like a fool, I said I had. But, Mother, don't forget that he showed you a photograph of the girl before that and you obviously recognised it. Did anyone else see it? No, he showed it only to me. Well, then, don't you see, there's still no proof it was really the same girl. He might have showed you the photograph of any girl who applied to the committee. And how do we know she was really Eva Smith or Daisy Renton? Gerald's dead right. He could have used a different photograph each time and we'd be none the wiser. We may all have been recognising different girls. Did he ask you to identify a photograph, Eric? No, he didn't need a photograph by the time he got round to me, but obviously it must have been the girl I knew who went round to see Mother. Why must it? She said she had to have help because she wouldn't take any more stolen money. And the girl I knew had told me that already. Even then, th that may have all been nonsense. I don't see much nonsense about it when a girl goes and kills herself. You lot may be letting yourselves out nicely, but I can't. Uh, nor can Mother. We did her in all right. Now, wait a minute. Don't be in such a hurry to put yourself in court. That interview with your mother could have just been as much a put-up job. Like all this police inspector business. The whole damn thing could have just been a piece of blood. How could it? The girl's dead, isn't she? What girl? There were probably four or five different girls. That doesn't matter to me. The one I knew is dead. Is she? How do we know she is? That's right. How do we know any girl killed herself today? Yeah, now answer that one. Let's look at it from this fella's point of view. We're having a little celebration here and feeling rather pleased with ourselves. Now, he has to work a trick on us. Well, the, the first thing he has to do is to give us such a shock that after that he can bluff us all the time. So he starts right off, eh? A girl has just died in the infirmary. <laughs> She drank some strong disinfectant. <laughs> oh, she died in agony. All right, don't pile it on. But there you are, you see. Just repeating it shakes you a bit. And that's what he had to do. Shake us at once. And then start questioning us. Until we didn't know where we were. Oh, let's admit that. He had the laugh of us, all right. He could laugh his head off if I knew it really was all a hoax. I'm convinced it is. No police inquiry, no one girl that all this happens to, no scandal. And no suicide? We can settle that at once. How? By ringing up the infirmary. Either there's a dead girl there or there isn't. It will look a bit queer, won't it, ringing up at this time of night? Oh, I don't mind doing it. And if there isn't... Anyway, we'll see. Bromley, eight, nine, eight, six. Uh, is, is that the infirmary? Now, this is Mr. Gerald Croft of Crofts Limited. Yes. Now, we're rather worried about one of our employees. Have you had a girl brought in this afternoon who committed suicide by drinking disinfectant? Or any other suicide? Yes, I'll wait. Yes? You're certain of that? I see. Well, thank you very much. Good night. No girl has died in there today. They haven't had a suicide for months. There you are. Proof positive. The whole story's just a load of moonshine. Gerald, let's have a drink. Thanks. I think I could just do with one now. <laughs> so could I. And I must say, Gerald, 
You've argued this very cleverly. Well, you see, while I was out of the house, I had time to cool off and think things out a little. Well, yes, he, he, he didn't keep you on the run, uh, as he did the rest of us. I'll admit now he gave me a bit of a scare at the time. But I had a special reason for not wanting any public scandal just now. Eh? Well, here's to us. Father, you're forgetting one thing I still can't forget. Everything we said happened really had happened. If it didn't end tragically, then that's lucky for us, but it might have done. But the whole thing's different now. Oh, come, come, can't you see that? But can't you? You all helped to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I wish, I wish you could have seen the look on your faces when he said that. You're pretending everything's just as it was before. I'm not. No, but these others are. Well, isn't it? We've been had. That's all. So nothing really happened. So there's nothing to be sorry for, nothing to learn. We can all go on behaving just as we did. Well, why shouldn't we? I tell you, whoever that inspector was, it was anything but a joke. You knew it then. You began to learn something, and now you've stopped. You're ready to go on in the same old way. And you're not, eh? No. Because I remember what he said, how he looked, and what he made me feel. Fire and blood and anguish. And it frightens me the way you talk, and I can't listen to any more of it. I agree with Sheila. It frightens me too. Oh, well, then go to bed then and don't stand there oh, being hysterical. They are overtired, and in the morning they'll be as amused as we are. Everything's all right now, Sheila. Now, what about this ring? No, not yet. It's too soon, I must think. Look at them. The famous younger generation who know it all, and they can't even take a joke. <laughs> yes, Mr. Burling speaking. Here. Uh, that was the police. A girl has just died on her way to the infirmary after swallowing some disinfectant. And a police inspector is on his way here to ask some questions. In An Inspector Calls by J.B. Priestley, Inspector Ghoul was played by Toby Jones, Arthur Burling was David Calder, Sybil Burling, Francis Barber, Sheila Burling, Morven Christie, Eric Burling, Sam Alexander, Gerald Croft, Geoffrey Stretfield, and Edna, Vanita Rishi. The director was Jeremy Mortimer. <laughs> <laughs>